0: We have a good conductor in our lives as well too and that's in Jesus Christ. I want you to take your Bible if you would. For those of you that are visiting and maybe have forgotten your Bible, there's a Bible in a pew in front of you. In uh, John chapter 19 is what we want to look at. John chapter 19. I want to begin with verse 17 and 18. You got one there? We'll get you one. Don't want anyone to be without a Bible. After buttering you up that much, you better have a Bible. John chapter 19, beginning with verse 17. If you would look at that, please. It's talking about Jesus. And he, Jesus, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Look at verse 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. The death of Jesus on the cross. What would you say? What would you tell to a person, a neighbor or a co-worker, maybe not a Christian at all, who'd come up to you and ask with all sincerity, what's the big deal about the cross? What's so great about that? How would you answer him? You ever thought of that? How would you answer that person? Could you give him an answer? Is it necessary to give an answer? It really depends on what that person is is focusing upon. At the time, if he's focusing really on just a wooden cross or symbols that a lot of people have that they wear around their neck or they put on their ears or tie tacks or whatever, wear on their shirts. If it's just the symbol of the cross itself, you won't have a good answer to give him. And here's why. If you've ever stopped to think about just the cross itself, it was really a symbol of suffering, shame and death. Did you know that the cross was never used in Christian churches when it first started out as a symbol for Christianity? Because it was so horrifying. In fact, it didn't really come into the Christian church until after all the Roman execution on the cross had been stopped and all the relatives of those who had someone die on the cross, they had all passed away because it was a reminder of the cruelty to them. And they would be really appalled if they were to come into the church and was to see a cross in front. I'll tell you what it would be like. What would happen if you was to go to, let's say, New York City, to a big, huge Jewish synagogue, and you wore a tie-tack or an earring or a necklace with a German swastika on it, how do you think they would feel? Would they bow down? Would they say, oh, praise the Lord, isn't that great? Man, they'd pick you up by the neck And they would toss you out of that synagogue because it was a reminder of the pain and the suffering and the Holocaust. And maybe some of them had lived through that and they didn't want to be reminded of that. Or maybe some of them had relatives who had died in the Holocaust itself. And it would be very appalling to them if they were to see a swastika inside their synagogue. So if it's just a cross itself, really that's a symbol of suffering and pain. It should not bring any peace to anyone. It should be appalling to you. It's not the wooden cross that brings peace. It's the understanding of why Christ was on the cross that brings peace. So let's change the question a little bit. What's the big deal about Jesus dying on the cross? That's what we need to answer for ourselves before we can share it with others. Let's go back to John, John chapter 19, beginning with verse 19. John 19, 19. Now, Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews. But he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Pilate, the Roman governor, over the Jews often clashed with the Jewish religious leaders. He was a hated man. They didn't like him at all. So what he did, he used the cross to demonstrate his power over the Jews. The wording that he placed above the head of Jesus was very carefully chosen words. For the inscription that was in there, it was showing to the Jewish people I'm the one that is in control. I'm the one who is superior above you. I'm the one you should respect. But was he in control? Was he the one that deserved respect? Jesus, when he went to the cross, is actually saying that I have authority over all mankind, including Pilate. Take a look at John 19, verse 24. Verse 24. They said, therefore, among themselves, let let us not tear it, but cast lots for it whose it shall be talking about the tunic, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. You see, the dividing of the garments of Jesus was predicted in Psalms twenty two, eighteen, way before Christ ever came to this world. Who's in control now? Pilate put it up there just fresh and said, I'm in control. Jesus had it predicted by the prophets, way before it ever happened, and he's saying, I'm in control. I know exactly what's going to happen. Look at John 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Notice that it says that Jesus knew that the, the scriptures would be fulfilled. Jesus knew that His body on the cross was fulfilling many Old Testament prophecies. He's the one that deserves the respect and the appreciation. This wasn't just happening out of the consequences of everyday life. This was a very careful, set-out plan that took place, that was predicted way before it ever happened. Look at John 19, verse 33. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Look at verses 36 and 37. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Again, the fulfillment of prophecy, it shows the one who's in control. The ultimate power is there. Jesus' death is voluntary, it's purposeful, and according to the scriptures, it came out as it was supposed to, right down to the minute details. Look at another text, John chapter 12. John 12, verses 32 and 33 John 12, verse 32. Jesus is speaking here and he says, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This, he said, signifying by what death he would die. Hmm. Jesus says, if I be lifted up. And the cross was taken and it was lifted up. And the people there in Jerusalem saw Jesus. On the cross, but he said he would draw all people to him. Let's take a look at John chapter three, John chapter three and verse 14. John 3:14. Jesus again speaking. and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus knew he was going to go to the cross. He knew what was going to happen, but he also knew that with him on the cross, that somehow, some way, all mankind would be attracted to this event. When Jesus was raised above the crowd on the cross, not only did the people around him were they drawn to look at him, but all mankind is drawn to the crucifixion in some point, some way, somehow. What does it mean to see the blood flowing out of the body of Christ on the cross? Take a look at Exodus chapter 12. Remember, the Old Testament all pointed towards Christ. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13. Exodus 12:13. Remember, this is the, the plagues had, had come in. This was the last plague that was going to take place for the, pe- for the people in Egypt. And look what it says, verse 13. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. The blood of the sacrifice means life to those who see and believe. Not death, but life. Take a look at Hebrews chapter nine. Hebrews chapter nine and verse twenty two. Hebrews nine and verse twenty two. Hebrews nine twenty two and according to the law almost all things are purified with blood and without the shedding of blood. There is no remission, no remission of the sins. The shedding of the sacrificial blood means the remission for the penalty of sin, which is death. When the Bible talks about death, it's not just talking about the first death, it's talking about eternal death, not ever living again. Jesus on the cross is our sacrifice for sin. That's why John the Baptist, upon seeing Jesus, declared, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. We are to behold the sacrificial lamb. It's not the cross, it's who's on the cross. Now I told my church this story, but I'll tell you the story. They don't have to you can fall asleep in this part. There was a young couple that decided to go to Hollywood. And what they were looking for, they went to, I used to know the name of the place, can't think of it now, but it's the largest retail jewelry store in all of Hollywood. And they went there for the purpose of being able for this young lady to buy her some new pierced earrings. And they began looking and looking and looking. She says, I'm looking for something very specific. And they showed her all kinds of earrings, and they finally pulled out a tray of earrings that were all crosses. And she found the most expensive one. It was really very expensive. And she put them in her ears, and she looked in the mirror, and she says, this is it. This is what I want. A lot of jewels that are there and everything else. And she says, this is what I want to put in my ears. But she says, I've got one question. Who's the little guy that's on the cross? She had no idea who Jesus was. The whole idea is not the cross, but it's looking at the person on the cross that will draw all people towards him, the attention that is there. We are to behold the sacrificial lamb, not a wooden cross of death, The Apostle John says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Those who behold the sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb, the remissions of sin, will have eternal life. Look what the sacrifice of Jesus means to me. It means life eternal. That's far greater than eternal death, don't you think? But I don't feel worthy of this gift. He says that it's a gift to me. I don't feel worthy of this gift. Take a look. Go back to John 19. John 19 and verse 34. John 19 and verse 34. But one of the soldiers pierced his side. Remember that's after Jesus said it's finished. And he died, pierced his side and saw that he was already dead. And immediately blood and water came out. Isn't that interesting? Blood and water. An offering back in the Old Testament when they they would bring in something for a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice for the remission of sins. For the most part, most people brought in either a bullock or a lamb and sacrificed that animal. And that blood was sprinkled on the altar. But what about the poor people? What about the people who couldn't afford a lamb, especially a bullock? What about their sins? They could bring in a sparrow. And the sparrow was sacrificed. And what they would have to do, there's very little blood in the sparrow to take to the altar. They would mix the blood with water and take that and place it on the altar for the remission of sins. Brothers and sisters, you know what this is telling me? Even for the poorest of the poor, for those who are very low and and down and out, for those who think little of themselves, the sacrifice of Jesus was for all. Not just the rich, not just the special, but for all mankind. That really means something to us. Jesus died for all. Take a look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. To those who, who don't know the meaning of Jesus on the cross. That's why when they say, what's the big deal about the cross? Don't focus on the cross. Focus on the one who sacrificed on the cross. And you need to explain to them more about Christ. But for those who don't want to listen... It is foolishness to them. But to us, it is power. It demonstrates the power of God. Just think about that power. The one hanging on the cross is Jesus. He is the revelation of the power of God. But what power? Go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. John 1.1, 1, 1. in the beginning was what? The Word, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. The one hanging on the cross is the Word, is Jesus. He is the Creator of the world. You want to know Power there is the power he can take absolutely nothing and bring something into existence and now this most powerful being that has ever been known this most powerful thing this most powerful God is hanging on the cross not because of circumstances but because it was planned it was not a mistake it was in his plan Why? Because the wages of sin is death. We deserve that death. But the God, the Creator, says, who knows only life, because when He creates things, He creates only life. The One who creates only life says, I am going to give to you, I am going to demonstrate to you, My great power. And so He went to the cross to begin to demonstrate His power. We know from Scripture We know from scripture, Jesus as the creator, nothing in this world means anything until we place Christ in the meaning. Let me share with you what I mean. On Sunday morning, very early in the morning, women went to the grave of the creator of the universe to embalm his dead body. They knew he was dead. But when they arrived at the tomb, it was empty. At first they were confused. But later they remembered what he said. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. There is great power demonstrated in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The recreation of Jesus Christ from the dead. The creator can create something out of nothing, he can take upon himself the sins of the world and die with a promise of life to those who believe, he can recreate life to a dead, decomposed body that has been laid to rest for countless ages. That's what the power of the cross means to me. It gives me hope. No matter what might happen in this world to me, I have hope in Jesus Christ. The law of God was fulfilled on the cross. You see... The only way that I know that I'm a sinner is by comparing my life with the law of God. And then I see I have sinned. I have fallen short of the glory of God. I need help. And so the law is broken. The least of these, when I break it, I've broken them all. God was never more faithful to his covenant than when he dealt with the wages of sin, which is death. Jesus took upon his shoulders the sins of the entire world even though he knew no sin it was as if he was the one and only sinner and he went to the cross to pay the penalty for sin if the law could have been changed humanity could have been saved without the cross but the cross was necessary to the salvation of the human race, while at the same time preserving the peace and the order of God's universe. The cross doesn't, ex- doesn't condemn the law, but it uplifts the law. It uplifts the lawgiver who hung on the cross. Brothers and sisters, I don't care whether people are conscious or unconscious in death unless that truth is tied up with the resurrected Jesus. Otherwise, it means nothing. I don't care whether Saturday is a seventh-day Sabbath or not, unless Christ, the Creator, is involved in it. Otherwise, it means nothing. Who are we to worship if the Creator is not there? All the commandments of God comes from the One that was raised from the dead, He's the one that is in control. He's the one that gives hope to the sinful world. H.MS. Richard Sr. wrote, "The devil believes that the Bible is true. Oh yes, he believes every bit of it. He knows that there is a God. He knows that Jesus is the divine Son of God. He knows about the virgin birth and the sinless life of Christ. He knows that Jesus willingly went to the cross, died, and was raised from His grave to eternal life. He believes all these things. He has perfect knowledge of truth, but he does not believe on Jesus Christ for salvation. He does not accept Jesus as His Redeemer. He knows it's all true, but he has never made the personal commitment to Him. Let me ask you this. After hearing about Jesus on the cross, will you be like the devil and not accept Jesus as your Redeemer? Or will you believe in the Son of God and have everlasting life? It's only one side or the other. It's never the in-between. Let's take our hymnals. Let's turn in our hymnals to hymn number 154, because I want us to to really think about the wonder's cross, not so much the cross itself, but who died on the cross. Hymn number 154. Shall we stand as we sing 154? Marvin Clark, Bill Mert, Dennis Partain, Moppy Schmidt. If You can meet Thursday evening uh, at 7 o'clock with me. It shouldn't take too long. Uh, we can get through this process. Lord, we just want to come to you to say thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Now may we take That meaning and share it with others so that they might be drawn to you and have the gift of eternal life is our prayer. Amen.